Hey there, this is Miss Emma Grace on the campus of Huntington University. You're listening to Rooted. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us by searching Forrester Radio Rooted. And you can also catch Rooted every Thursday evening at 7 on 105.5 WQHU. And as always, you can stream Forrester Radio anytime, anywhere on ForresterRadio.com. Today I'm sitting down with Addison Agin from The Voice. So Addison, we just want to start with what got you into music and singing? Yeah, so um, both my parents are musicians and love music and have forever. Um, my mom's a music therapist and taught music uh, to children for a really long time. So I would go around with her to nursing homes and retirement homes and just sing with her. I just grew up to love music through her. And uh, my dad owns a record store now, so I've been um, opened up to so many more genres and different time periods of music and learned a lot about it through that but um yeah definitely I've learned a lot from my parents through that everyone in my family plays an instrument yeah and like from that when did you realize that music was something like you personally want to pursue it had always been at least a hobby of mine but I didn't realize that it could be an actual career that wasn't just a dream till I probably till I started making my album um that I made when I was 13 um but some it's like I really started getting into it and wanting to pursue it when I was probably around 11 or 10 something like that can you tell me just about the audition process from the voice um and where you had to go for that and why did you even want to audition okay yeah um so being on the voice had always been a dream of mine but it wasn't something that I probably would have pursued on my own. It, it wasn't something that I probably would have gone out and just chose to do. So um, I was singing the national anthem at a volleyball game at my high school. And then my Spanish teacher happened to be there and emailed my mom that night and said, hey, there's one slot left at the Chicago open calls for The Voice. And um, so my mom signed me up. And then two days later, we were on our way. So I went mm-hmm. to Chicago and auditioned with 5,000 other people there, but overall they went to a bunch of different cities and there was about 50,000 auditioners. That had to be an incredible feeling. Oh, yeah. Um, once you got in it and just from that, even from the responses from the coaches and then even to go on the responses from America probably yeah. felt really overwhelming. What did that What did that feel like? Yeah, so you never know. They warn you so many times about... Well, there's there could be a lot of haters for you or everyone's going to love you. It's either or it's yeah. just some people are drawn to certain people. And um, so you really have no clue what people are going to think about you. And I remember um, the night that my blind audition was going to be aired on TV. I w- it was just the most n- mm-hmm. nerve wracking thing, more nervous than actually doing that in real life. Yeah. Because you don't know if that's going to be shown on TV and you're like, okay, these four people, these four huge superstars are going to forget about me eventually if this this is awful or anything like that. So that process isn't even that nerve wracking. But showing that to, I think, 18 million or 15 million people were watching that episode. So it's extremely nerve wracking. But um, so there's a lot of prayer behind the scenes Mm -hmm. just not to freak out. But um, luckily there wasn't a lot of haters that came came for me but there were a lot for a few friends of mine on the show mm-hmm. and it's just it's a struggle to see anybody go through that seeing seeing that um there's so many people coming after this real person and they don't even realize yeah. they're real so much hate is put out there for a zero cause and 
zero reason not realizing that it's a real person that's going to be able to read that message or feel what you're saying. So, yeah, yeah, it took it took a lot to go through. Yeah. And I would say even like adding on to that, your social media obviously has blown up through that. How is how you use your social media change and how have you learned how to respond to the people that maybe aren't so loving towards you? Yeah. Um, So at first I really wanted to message every single person back and get to everybody. And I thought it was going to be like that forever. But I think after a certain point, you realize that there's no way you can actually message that many people back. Having that many conversations, you'll just be like overblown and just overwhelmed with everything. So um, that took a little bit of realization because I was so stressed with trying to. I was like, I have... 7,000 more messages to go and I was like I'm not gonna make it so realizing that you don't really have to get to everybody but um making sure you share the love with a certain amount of people so that you know they're like you they know that you're responding and wanting to catch up with your fans and and stay connected just that it's literally impossible to message every single person back but the way that I post on Instagram or any social media hasn't really changed um just because people like to see the real me and nothing plastic like what you see in huge pop stars and anything like that I don't want to come off as some plastic Barbie doll so I just you know try to keep it as real as possible and natural Yeah, for sure. And at the end of The Voice, you came in second. Were you disappointed or how did you feel in that process? Because you had Mm -hmm. made it that far in The Voice in the first place, but Mm -hmm. to get second, how did that just feel? Actually, um, that's, at least for me and Mm -hmm. for most people, that's the dream spot to come in, not even to win, just because there's so, so many contracts and so much to just deal with mm-hmm. after winning yeah um and so many things that you have are binded to and are mm-hmm. you, you are forced to do so many things yeah. for so much longer that it's like not even a reward mm-hmm. other than that you get glitter to fall down on you yeah. on the, the stage but other than that it's not really that much more so that was like the dream spot for me so I was beyond happy and I and I figured that I would um once I knew I was in the top four, I, w- I figured I wouldn't win, but I would obviously, even if I were to come in fourth that night, there's yeah. no negative to that. That's totally fine by me. But um, so, yeah, second was the dream dream spot, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And Adam was all for it, and he yeah. figured that it would be just as great of a success story yeah. either way. Um, and then after The Voice, what has transitioning back to home been like? Because I know your mom was with you there, um, mm-hmm, but you yeah. had other family back here. What has that transition? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of it's a lot different now mm-hmm. because obviously you're being recognized. Mm-hmm. People yeah. want to get to know you, and um, but that's all the fun stuff. But it's it's difficult to think that I have literally a full-time career at the age of 16 yeah. while still trying to be in school, mm-hmm. in high school, not even college, yeah. and um, still trying to feel normal a little mm-hmm. bit was a hard balance. And trying to continue to have just as strong as a career as I did on The Voice and continue that because people are expecting that to continue on after it because most people... Um, there's not many huge, huge stars from The Voice that go on to be, like, huge names. Yeah. 
So I wanted everyone's just like, where do they go? Do they die <laughs> off or what happens? So I'm trying not to do that. And I'm in the process of recording an, an album, a new album and um, with a bunch of new music and getting that out as soon as possible. So just trying to keep the game up and bring and make sort of a, a new group of people that I'll be working with. Yeah. So as far as school goes what does that look like for you now yeah so I do online school now okay just because I kind of have to make my own time <laughs> schedules for everything because um, I'm all over the place but um so yeah I have just a few classes online and that's how I'll probably be till I graduate yeah that's really cool um and so starting to go more into your faith and mm -hmm. what that's looked like through this whole process after your blind audition and the spotlight turned on you, how did your perspective of God and even, like, life change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's like a whole different world because there's so many more people than you even expect. There's mm -hmm. so many new faces and everything like that. But one thing that really helped a lot was that all the other contestants on the show, everyone behind the scenes— if they weren't already worship leaders, they were some sort of believer and they had a faith. Wow. So it was it's extremely rare to have that yeah. in a, a competition, if you want to call it that. It, didn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like a competition if you're surrounded by like-minded people. Um, so that really helped and kind of kept a level head. And, and my faith definitely grew on that journey, knowing that none of this would even have happened without, without God in the way he's working in my life. Um, at all so but having those people those other Christians and strong believers definitely helped and it was kind of just like we were there for each other if any of us were struggling it, mm -hmm. it didn't seem like a race or competition it wasn't any sort of battle at all it was it was it was really really healing to be there actually so what did pursuing God look like in that process with your busy schedule yeah um so we would have we wouldn't be able to go to church on Sundays like yeah. a normal person <laughs> anymore. That it's it wasn't like that because we just again had to fit in our own time schedule and work off of what the voice was telling us to do. Um, but since all of us were believers, we would have little Bible study sometimes mm -hmm. and little prayer groups or just hanging out with one person like me and Brooke Simpson. She mm -hmm. came in third third place. She's like one of my best friends ever now, yeah. and um, we really had our backs for each other during that and um would just have little prayer groupings and before each show we would say all right we're doing this because we are a chess piece for god and there's none of us that are doing this for ourselves if if that if that is possible <laughs> and for people to read that through us and not just idolize us is the goal to more focus on god through us so um it was really really amazing to have everyone in like-minded in that mm -hmm. so that we were all in that no one was doing it for themselves yeah so what was it like working with Miley Cyrus and more so Adam Levine mm -hmm. who are very popular in the secular industry yeah yeah they're both extremely extremely famous yeah. and um they both have different takes on the way they coach and the way they think of music mm -hmm. Miley is very um about presentation and about how you look mm -hmm. and even though she seems to not care and she kind of thinks fashion is a joke and we'll mm -hmm. just go out and whatever and she <laughs> loves the reactions of people thinking that she looks dumb mm -hmm. or any like she loves that so yeah. um she kind of wants the people on her team to kind of go along with that and just be bold with what they look like and what mm -hmm. they wear 
But Adam, he does not care at all what you look like, what you're mm-hmm. wearing, how you act. Like, none of that. He really, really doesn't care. Um, it's just focus on the music and who you are as a person, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. you can be so, so simple. There's, there's a song, um, Lucky, I literally wore jeans and a T-shirt, and that was... It's crazy that you have to choose your own battles to fight, but that was so important for people to see that I'm just normal. I was wearing Mm -hmm. the jeans that I'm wearing right now, Uh and crazy that you would think that would be harder to make that look possible than, like, this huge extravagant thing. But Adam was so, so down-to-earth and simple Uh that it was all about what I was doing vocally and the meanings of the songs. I loved working with him so, so much, and I fit much better with him than I did with Miley. Miley's Mm -hmm. fantastic and hilarious. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I guess it's the coach you have really is actually important. It's it's super, super important that you pick the right one, and I didn't even realize that at first. Yeah, and with Adam helping you kind of focus in more on your music, did you discover that you would want that you want to be more of a Christian artist or a Christian that is an artist? Yeah, I think there's a good mix of both because mm-hmm. you can be a Christian artist with whatever genre mm-hmm. you you are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a way to show God in every song that you sing, no matter what genre or anything mm-hmm. like that. So with the music I'm writing, it's normally about the stories that I'm living in my life, and God has always been a part of that. So without even trying, I kind of am a Christian artist yeah. because it just comes off in my music, which yeah. is perfect for me. I'm all for that. So I'm kind of like a balance in between because I play at Christian shows and then I play outside of Christian shows, mm-hmm. which I love because the people that don't go to the Christian shows are the ones that need to hear it the most. So mm-hmm. I, I like having the balance of both not really people not even realizing um, that I am a specific like, oh, she's a Christian artist oh, or, mm-hmm. oh, she's just this other artist I'm like right in between so both types of people come yeah that's really cool and about I think it's about a week ago now you played two shows at the embassy yeah in Fort Wayne and I saw on your social media you got to have a worship Mm -hmm. time during that can you just tell us a little bit more about that yeah so one of my favorite songs of all times is called How He Loves by the David Crowder Band it's phenomenal it's forever been one of my favorite songs and the the end of the song is so, so special. It's the chorus of the song, and it's, he loves us, oh, how he loves us. Mm-hmm. And so I like to change that and repeat that, like, ten times at least of, uh-huh. oh, how he loves them, oh, how he loves her, oh, how he loves him, mm-hmm. oh, how he loves me, and yeah. on and on and on, and get the entire crowd singing so that at least if they took nothing else away, mm-hmm. that at the end of the show they know that he loves them and that he knows that he loves her if they have an enemy that's Mm -hmm. female or male Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like he loves them. And, um, I think that's so important. So it's kind of like a tradition now to end my shows with that and spread that. That's such an important song. It's so beautiful. That is, that's really cool because it shows how you can morph the two worlds together into one. Yeah. Um, so in light of Christian music, next up for you is winter jam. Mm hmm. What can you tell us about that? I'm really excited about Winter Jam. I've gone to the show since I was like seven years old. Yeah. It's been one of my favorite concerts ever, and I've looked up to those artists like crazy, showing me that being a Christian and an artist can be the same career mm-hmm. and mixed together very beautifully and inspirational. So um, I have a little bit of time during... 
I think there's two because it doesn't take long to set up the stuff that I'm yeah. I'll be doing there. So I'm gonna do a little in between show and uh, sing some original songs mm-hmm. and share my story and the messages behind the songs. Has that always been a dream of yours to play at Winter Jam? Yeah, it actually has been for a really long time. Just because I knew I always have known the songs on the radio that they yeah. sing there and. It's been a dream of mine for people to know the lyrics to my song and yeah. singing them, especially if it's about such an uh, incredible and important um, specific like title of God and having his name all over it would be the perfect lyrics to be shouting and screaming at mm-hmm. the top of your lungs at a huge concert with thousands of people. I've always, always wanted to be able to be an artist at one of those shows. Is there anything else you want to talk about in relation to your faith and your music or anything about that? Um, I think the one thing that I would say to any other people out there that are like me or want to do things in the music realm or any anything artistic at all and want to stay strong to their faith, mm-hmm. I would just say that it's extremely possible and it's actually much easier with Christ and it's so so much smoother of a ride and Mm -hmm. more successful overall um so I mean that would be the one thing that I would want to say and then how can we here at Forrester Radio and even anyone else listening pray for you in this transition in this these next few months good question yes (laughs) that's important um I would say just pray for my health, first of all, just so that I can continue going because my days are packed like crazy. Mm-hmm. Nothing has ever stopped going. And that um, the people around me would be very easy to work with and um, understanding to work with and that overall we make a good product and a good album mm-hmm. and then a good future overall for me. Well, thank you, Addison, for Thanks coming Thanks for having in. me. Of course, yeah. Thank you, Addison Egan, for joining us on this episode of Rooted. And thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on your preferred podcast app. And remember, you can listen to Forrester Radio on 105.5 WQHU over the air in Huntington or anytime, anywhere at ForresterRadio.com. Stay rooted, HU.